live tonight at Taze Valley Nazarene here on Taze Valley Road. Make yourself available to that if you like that kind of music. Jesus is bigger than Sunday. That's what Jen's shirt says. I love that. Uh, and the, anything that you wanted to say about September the 19th? He do a good job. Just um, wanted <clears throat> preparing up and getting a lot of support from uh, motorcycle ministry, highways, and hedges. So um, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Even if you don't ride, be here. I'm not asking. Uh, my bike has pedals. That's okay. You can, uh, I can bring that one too. I'll, you can ride with me. <laughs> right. Uh, all right. Get your Bibles or your smart devices out this morning, and let's get into part three of weatherproofing your life for the storms of life. Anybody got any help so far? Two people. Well, I know that a lot more have because I've been hearing uh, you talk about it and people have been texting and calling in. Uh, week one, we talked about being wise and building on a firm foundation. And uh, that foundation is Christ himself, the chief cornerstone. You can amen anytime you want or say, oh me. Last week we talked about being confident, confident in who we are and what we believe. The storm is no place to change your doctrine or your theology. Now, God might change it after you've come through the storm, but we're confident in who we are and who He is and what we believe in the midst of that storm. And this morning, we're going to talk about being patient, learning to rest uh, so take your Bibles, if you would, and go with me to Matthew, the 8th chapter. This story is found in three Gospels, Matthew, the 8th chapter, Luke, the 8th chapter, and Mark, the 4th chapter. You will have different perspectives. I've heard some people say in the past, well, they contradict themselves, they can't get their story right. No, it's not contradiction, it's three perspectives of the same story. God inspired men to write the story as they saw it. That's how we can clear up a lot of the mess in the Old Testament. He, and yes, is divinely inspired. God anointed men to write their perspective of the story that was unfolding before their very eyes. And so as Matthew, Mark, and uh, John walked with Jesus, then they were able to uh, tell the story from a a bird's eye view, a perspective of being with Jesus. But John, or, um, Luke did not walk with Jesus as a disciple during that time period, so he writes from a completely different perspective. Plus, he's a medical doctor, and that inspires, he's inspired in that career to write as he does write. I hope that makes a lot of sense to you this morning as we read this account of the story of the storm that the disciples find themselves in from Matthew, the 8th chapter. Let's ver look at verses 23 through 27. Then Jesus got into a boat, and his disciples followed him. Out of nowhere, a vicious storm blew over the sea. Waves were lapping up over the boat, threatening to overtake it. Let me stop right there. I was reading in my studies this week for the very first time that most scholars believe and scientists have begun to back it up that this was literally an earthquake that was taking place. 
And because of the earthquake, the violent winds were blowing and the waves were so furious. It wasn't just any normal storm that those fishermen were used to on the Sea of Galilee. See, the disciples, a lot of those disciples that followed Christ were fishermen. They had spent their life on the Sea of Galilee. They were used to the storms that were coming up, and they normally probably wouldn't have been fearful, as this story depicts, of a storm because they were used to it. But if this is a vicious storm that has come to pass because of an earthquake that is, is taking place, and they're seeing waves that they've never seen before. Come on, somebody. Symbolic of some of the times a sudden storm of earthquake proportions would show up in your life. Would you pray for all of those that are suffering in Haiti because of that earthquake? If you would like to help uh, International Missions Organization, John Hansen, we are collecting tents and tarps. Okay, tents and tarps, that, that's all that Pastor John is asking for right now. If you would like to give, someone gave $20 this week, Tony did, and we, we purchased a tarp and sent it over. So if you'd like to help that ministry anytime during this service, you can put that money right here in the office on the altar, and we'll make sure it gets, or you can buy a tent or a tarp and bring it in. We'll make sure that he got that. But have you seen the devastation? that that earthquake caused. So could you imagine, I, I don't have uh, the privilege or the knowledge of knowing what uh, magnitude that earthquake was on the Sea of Galilee that night, but it would make sense that it's not a normal storm that showed up in the disciples' life because they were used to storms on the Sea of Galilee. But this one, it says here, out of nowhere. You ever been smacked with a storm out of nowhere? Something that just showed up in your life one minute, one instance. Happened to us on July the 9th when Mary and Natalie had a wreck. Today, Natalie's in church for the first time since that accident occurred. Sitting back there with her look-alike aunt. She, she and my Aunt Jenny, my sister, they look a lot alike. And we're thankful. But when those things come up, they're, they are vicious. They're sudden and that was blowing them all over the sea, and the waves were lapping up over their boat, threatening to overtake it. Where was Jesus? The Bible says that Jesus was asleep. One translation says he was sound asleep. In Mark's uh, depiction of this particular story, it says he's so asleep that he's got a pillow. Now, we're talking about being patient and weatherproofing our lives for a storm. And Jesus takes a pillow with him. He was so at rest that he knew what was about to come and he was still going to take a nap. I mean, guys, he just didn't happen to fall asleep. One translation does say that he was exhausted. He had been teaching uh, the people all day. But he was confident enough in what his father had told him Let's go to the other side, he told the disciples, that he took a pillow with him to take a nap. Frightened, not to mention confused, how could anyone sleep through this? The disciples woke him up. Lord, save us, we're going to drown. Jesus said, please, what are you so afraid of, O ye of little faith? Can I give you the JRW3 Jonathan Dupee version? What he really said is, why are you being cowards? 
That's, that's the word that's used in the Greek there. You're being cowards. Jesus got up, told the wind and the waves to calm down, and they did. The King James says he rebuked the winds and the waves. The same word rebuke there is the same word that when he rebuked demons. He rebuked the winds and the waves and they calmed down, to calm down, and they did. And the sea became still as glass and calm once again. And the disciples were astonished. Pay attention to verse 27. They said, Who is this? What sort of man is he that the sea and the winds listen to him? That is a key point. Can I start off with this point? Get in the boat with Jesus. It's a safe place. <laughs> I mean, look what Jesus got into a boat, and that says here in Matthew 8, and they followed him into the boat. I would rather be in a boat with Jesus and a storm come up than get in a boat on my own and get in a storm on my own accord. And it happens, and Jesus is still with you. <laughs> He's never going to leave you nor forsake you, but to have the confidence that I'm in the right boat and that Jesus is in that boat is a safe place. Why? Because he's the master of the sea. He's the creator of the winds and the waves. We can rest knowing that Jesus is a shelter in the storm. Psalm 61.3 says that he is a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. Joel 3.16, you know John and his 3.16, but how about Joel and his 3.16? He says, but the Lord will be a shelter for his people. Are you thankful this morning that in the storms of life you can have rest because that you know that Jesus is a shelter for his people? We can learn to rest knowing that he is our refuge. That is a state of being safe from danger or trouble. Psalm 46.1 says that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of storms. I replaced that word trouble with storms because storms are trouble. Symbolically, he is a refuge. The scripture tells us in Psalms, David reminds us that, that he is a strong tower and the righteous run into him and they are saved. That word saved is not just saved from their sins. They are safe and saved in the storms of life. In circumstances and situations, when those slew foot the enemy would try to lie to you to get you off course. You are safe from the storms of life in he, Him as a shelter and a refuge. Look at Proverbs, the first chapter, verse 33. I've been studying Proverbs uh, for quite some time now. And I like the Passion Translation as I've studied that. And we're going to look at verse 33 of chapter 1. But the one who always listens to me will live undisturbed in a heavenly peace. I think it is wisdom to listen to the Father. Free from fear. That, when we listen to the Father, here's wisdom that we gain. We become free from fear, undisturbed in a heavenly peace. We are confident. We talked about that last week. We're going to talk about this one next week. And courageous, being brave, that one will rest unafraid and sheltered from the storms of life. I've got to read it again. I just This is something that we need to memorize and have in our hearts, meditate on it and chew on it a while. There's a lot of good stuff in this that will bring wisdom to our lives. But the one who always listens, say, Lord, that's me. Yes, that's 
I'm going to listen to your voice. When I listen to your voice, I will live undisturbed in heavenly peace. Can anybody say, that's what I want? I want some heavenly peace. Uh, Peace, peace, coming down from the Father above. Sweep over me. Mm. Undisturbed. This, This is the part that I like. I'm free from fear. Confident in who I am and what I believe. Because I've listened to his voice. It gives me courage. And then I can begin to rest unafraid and know that I'm sheltered from the storms of life. That is a message all by itself. You can take that and all week long just glean from that and receive from Holy Spirit and learn. I like what Proverbs says in the Passion Translation. Solomon is telling us that if we would really listen to it as the Father speaking to us, because he's constantly saying, my, my son, listen to my voice, my son. He says, train yourself to hear and know the voice of the Spirit. Because when you train yourself to hear that voice, then you begin to listen to it and you can become undisturbed in life. Even in storms, you can un- be undisturbed because inwardly there's not a storm going on. Did you hear that? Outwardly, there may be winds blowing, rains falling, floods coming. Uh, and just a tumultuous sea in front of us, but inside you have undisturbed heavenly peace. That's a good place to shout amen. We have got to stop trying to sort out the situation and recognize that he's already figured it out. We're spending time trying to sort out things, but he's already figured it out. And if he's already figured it out and he speaks to you as his child, you can stop trying to sort it out because listening to his voice, heeding and doing what the instructions of the Spirit will say to you will help you to have undisturbed seas and heavenly peace in your life, free from fear, courageous and confident. That's why how and where we can rest. So... This word rest, we either pursue rest to the point of laziness. <laughs> I hear a lot of people are talking about resting in the finished work of Christ and they don't do anything for God. They've been sitting on the, in the premises but not standing on the promises. <laughs> Get you some of that. We've, we've got to stop pursuing rest to the point of not doing anything. What God did for you through Christ is a finished work for salvation. You don't work. It is by grace through faith that you are saved. It is a gift from God, least any man sh- not of works, least any man should boast. But don't forget verse 10. You are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Stop pursuing rest to the point of laziness. But then there's the other side of the coin. There are those who refuse to rest... To the point of exhaustion. My wife's been talking to me about that. Some are not doing anything. And some of you are so busy that you're exhausted. Well, how can we learn to rest? Listen to his voice. You will have undisturbed heavenly peace. Storms come up out of nowhere. You feel threatened by them, overwhelmed by them, especially right now in a world where we're constantly bombarded with things to do, deadlines to meet, decisions to make, stress to keep up with the Smiths or the Joneses 
learning to rest in the shelter of the Almighty can and will protect you from self-destruction. I, I can't, Pastor Jen, you know, you've talked to them. It is unbelievable how many people self-destruct in the storms of life because they've not learned to rest and to be patient. It is very important that we don't live life by our emotions because they change. Now, I didn't say not to express your emotions. I was talking to a gentleman this week, and I was telling him, God created you with emotions, and he has given you an outlet and a release to express those emotions. Let me give you one, for example, that is an emotion that you can release. Anger. Quit trying to hold it in. You, God's created you with anger. You can release that anger, but there are parameters by which you can release that so that it does not become sin. What are those parameters? Don't put your anger on anybody else. With your words, with your physical, uh, you know, hitting, punching, pulling, tearing, mm -mm, that, that's sin because you are acting out against someone else. There are ways. Go for a walk, get in the gym. Take a hot bath. I don't know what whatever you can do or a cold shower maybe instead of a hot bath if you're angry. Uh, come and cut my grass. I, no, I'm just joking. Clark does that. <laughs> Emotions will lead you down a, a path of self-destruction. You will not have any rest. So stop trying to live your... It's very important that we don't live our life and allow our emotions to be our compass. They will change. God is unchanging. Let him direct your path. Jesus showed the disciples his ability to trust the Father and to believe what he told him. And because he trusted the Father, he was able to sleep in the storm. Um, now, when the rain is pitter-pattering on the roof... Uh, I can sleep. But if it's thundering and lightning and the power is going out and I'm concerned if the sump pump is going to shut off at the, on the, in the basement of the church and it's going to flood again, it's difficult to get some rest sometimes. But if we can train our minds to be at rest and trusting the Father that He's taking care of things, then we will be able to sleep in the storm. John 14, 1, I got this from Joseph Prince this week. Anybody ever heard of Joseph Prince? I like him. In the storms of life, this scripture that I'm going to give you is not just for funerals. It's used most of the time for funerals, but it is a scripture that we can apply to our lives when we are in storms. John 14 says, let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. He goes on to say in that chapter, Jesus, these are the words of Jesus one more time. He says, let not your heart be troubled. My peace I give unto you. It's not a peace that the world gives to you. He is the prince of peace. He is the shalom of God. He dwells on the inside of you. You already have peace residing in you for the storm. So let not your heart be troubled. One of the ways that you can learn to rest in the storm is to tell yourself, heart, don't be troubled. 
I've believed in God and I also believe in the one that he sent who has redeemed me, who has pulled me up out of the miry clay, who's put my feet on the rock to stay. He is a shelter and he is a refuge in the storms of life and I'm in his boat. Tell yourself that. Tell yourself, I have confidence. I'm courageous. I have no fear. I have undisturbed heavenly peace because the Prince of Peace resides in me. So heart, don't let yourself get troubled. Jesus was so confident in the Father that he told the boys, let's go to the other side. Would you hold that thought in your head? I have something at the end of this message that is going to pull this thing together like I've never seen before. Let's go to the other side. But the boys were feeling swamped. The winds were whirling around them. The rain was filling up their boat. They felt like that they were going to sink. Have you ever felt like you were going to sink? Have you ever had that feeling that it was just, oh, your heart's up in your throat and you're, you're just sweating and you just, I, I can't take this anymore. I'm about to sink. I'm going to drown. I'm going down for the last time. That's the way these boys felt, but they had forgotten that Jesus said, let's go to the other side. So they woke up Jesus. My pastor friend Harry Fleming at City Church in Texas says they woke up the word. You need to wake up the word. Jesus gave them, watch this, Jesus gives us, he gave them a rock solid answer to unrest and despair. So if you're watching by the internet or you'll hear this later, maybe you yourself in the building or someone that you know that you could share with, you can give them a rock solid answer for unrest and despair. Are you ready? Matthew eleven twenty eight. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Burn out on a religion. Here's the answer. Come to Jesus. That's what he said. If you're tired, if you're worn out, if you're stressed, stressed out and frustrated and worn out on, burn out on religion, come to Jesus. This is something that really encouraged me this week that I found in Matthew eleven twenty nine. Because he says, here in the message, he says, get away with me and, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. In the King James, he says, come to me and I will give you rest. Write this down. Rest is a gift. Yes. Stop trying to earn it. Stop trying to work for it. Rest is a gift. That is so encouraging to me. What have I done wrong, Lord, that I can't rest? What am I, what am I not giving to you, Lord, that I, what do I need? Do I need to fast more? Do I need to pray more? Do I need to read more? Do I need to give more? See, we try to redouble our efforts, as Romans says, when we get in storms of life, trying to get ourselves out of that storm or trying to get peace in that storm, when all along rest and peace are a gift. Come to me, and I will give you rest. <laughs> Rest is a gift from the Father. Mm. He says, I will give you rest for your soul. That's what the King James says. He says, come to me and I will give you rest for your soul. Can I tell you where the storms are raging right now? Right here. And your soul is where your mind, will, and emotions are. And I told you it's very important not to live your life guided by your emotions. 
But we have to get a mindset that the rest of God, the peace of God, is a gift that has already been given to us. It's ours. So we have to begin to cultivate and uh, work on receiving as a mindset that rest is ours. Just as healing is the children's bread, rest is something that is a benefit Secondly, rest comes from the right perspective. It's a revelation. What do you mean? Well, look at verse 27 from our text in Matthew, the 8th chapter. Now, these disciples, these 12 guys have seen Jesus heal the lame, open blind eyes, unstopped deaf ears, heal leprosy, cure uh, paralysis, and probably, I don't know at this point or not, but they're going to see him raise Lazarus from the dead. He's a water walker, he's a hurricane husher, he's a storm stopper. But look at what the disciples said in the middle of the storm. They've lived with him, ate with him, slept with him, prayed with him, gone to the synagogue with him. Who is this? The disciples Ask, and I'm not trying to give them a hard time at all. That's not what I'm doing. I'm trying to bring a point to you and to me that sometimes in the storms, we don't have the right perspective, and when we lose perspective and we don't have a revelation of who he is, they said, great teacher. They said, master, rabbi, to wake him up. They didn't say, hey, miracle worker. Hey, hurricane husher, storm stopper, water walker, the wind whisperer. They said, Rabbi, teacher, that's one revelation of who we need Jesus to be in our lives. But until we get a revelation of the miracle working power that he really has, see, they said, who is this that the wind and the waves would obey him? They had to get a revelation of who Jesus was before they could too rest in the storm. In order to rest in the storms of life, your assessment must be one of faith. Quit trying to sort it all out. Your assessment has to be faith that he's already figured it out. And you can rest. Irrational and false assumptions produce fear. Isn't it amazing that it seems if our minds are programmed as a first response to uncertainties and storms of life is discouragement, despair, and fear. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Because tomorrow will take care of itself. So I can't have fear of the uncertainties of life. I don't know what holds tomorrow. And I know it's a cliche, but I know he holds tomorrow. But why, why can I put my faith in him? Why can I put my trust in him? Because he is your rear guard and he is going before you. He's got you covered. If, anyone, if the enemy would try to attack you from, the, behind, from behind, the backside, the scripture says that he is our rear guard. But the scripture also says that he is out before us, going before us. So he knows if tomorrow holds a storm, he's already taken care of it because he's been there. He's got you covered. So I have some encouragement for you. Don't quit between the promise and the provision. See, that's being patient. That's learning to wait. 
Don't give up between the declaration and the demonstration. And don't stop believing for the manifestation of your miracle. We have to remember that he is the prince of peace. He wants to give you peace and rest. Matter of fact, he's already given it to you. <laughs> you just have to make yourself aware of it and grab a hold of it. The unshakable peace of God guards our hearts. I like this. We even alluded to it in our singing this morning. He wore a crown of thorns so that I could wear a crown of peace. Crown shows me two things. It shows me victory and it shows me royalty. And he wore a crown of thorns so that I could have a crown of peace. And so I am royalty and I have victory. That should give me some peace. He's promised peace in the storm because he's a shelter. He's a trustworthy God. He's got you covered. Patience, though, deals with waiting. And I'm going to wrap this up. The word wait means to be in labor as to give birth. So this is a good revelation. In the storm, as you are waiting patiently and resting in him, he is about to birth something through you because of what you're going through. That's just a prophetic revelation. He didn't put you in the storm, but he will use the storm to help you wait, labor, to give birth to something that will help someone else when they go through that storm. Yeah, you can be assured of the goodness of God. We sang about it this morning. He keeps on getting better. So I got some promises for you. He didn't create you to break you. He didn't design you to destroy you. He didn't lift you up to let you down. And he didn't bring you this far to leave you. Let me ask you a question, Frank, if you'll come. What is the most relaxing and refreshing vacation that you've ever taken? Just think about it for a second. I know mine. Matthew's got his double thumbs up back there. Jesus wants to give you more refreshment and relaxation than that. He wants you to rest like the best vacation you've ever been on. That really gave you rest and refreshment. So when you're going through these storms of life that are raging, the only way to rest is to go to Jesus. Hide in him. Believe on him. Depend upon him and remember what he has done. Hebrews 4.3 says that for we have, who have believed do enter into his rest. How many have believed? If you've believed, you've already entered into his rest. We don't cease from our labors as in working good works for Christ, but we do cease from our labors of laboring in vain to try to gain something that's a gift that God's given you. The word rest means freedom from everything which disrupts your peace. A state of quiet, from mental exhaustion, a rest of the body and the mind. That's the type of rest that we're talking about that he, wants, that he has given you. A deep holy rest comes when you begin to meditate on God's peace and comfort. It's called worship. 
Okay, this is where I wanted to bring this thing to, okay? Just tune into this because this is good. Remember he said, let's go to the other side. One of the most interesting things about Noah, do you remember Noah? Genesis, the sixth chapter. Is that his name is taken from a Hebrew word, Noahka, and it means rest and comfort. So Noah's name means rest and comfort. The scripture says that God found favor, or Noah found favor in the sight of God. And God trusted him to build an ark for the saving of his family. Go read Genesis, the sixth chapter. That's what God gives him a word to build an ark for the saving of his house. That's what it says in the scripture. Noah would have to be patient in building the very thing that would bring comfort and salvation to his whole house. So here it is. I want to bring this full, full circle. The word Jesus gave to his disciples again was let us go over to the other side. The mode of transportation, I believe this is a great revelation and this is prophetic. The mode of transportation that Jesus and the disciples were going to use to get from where they were to the other side was what? A boat. We know the story. The storm came up. Noah, rest and comfort, builds a vehicle that would transport his family into a brand new world. I'm not trying to be over your heads this morning. The word Noah, see, God didn't give him a name, rest and comfort, without there being an implication to that name. Rest and comfort are the vehicle, the mode of transportation that God wants to use to take you safely into a brand new world. It was an ark of safety. It was a shelter from the storm. It was a refuge in time of trouble. What are you building for the saving of your household? What are you building in preparation for the storm? I believe more than anything else that God wants to use His people, His children, as a vehicle to help transport hurting humanity from the storms of life through safe passage of the storms of life recognizing and realizing that they can have rest and comfort we've got to build a boat he is building a boat he's building us that he's the vehicle that he wants to use but until you and i have confidence and we're patient in the process that he's doing in us see he who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion. Well, I thought you said the work was finished. The work for your salvation, your deliverance, your healing is a finished work. But the work that he's doing in you so that he can work through you is an ongoing work. And so we have to come to a place of rest and comfort to be prepared. See, what are we doing? We're trying to weatherproof our lives for the storms of life. And one of the ways that we do that is we have to be patient and learn to rest.
We live in a microwave generation, a fast food, give it to me now, culture. So sometimes we have to be patient. It took Noah 120 years to build an ark of safety, a shelter from the storm. But I've got good news for you. Jesus has already begun the work in you. He's given you as a gift rest and peace. Now what we need is a revelation of who he is so that we can have safe passage through the storms of life. And I have a desire to take as many people with me as I can. How do I do that? Trying to bring rest and comfort, bring an awakening to them of the rest and comfort that God the Father has provided for them through what Jesus did. Amen? All right, let's stand to our feet. I believe beyond the shadow of a doubt this morning that there are multitudes of people present online even that will never hear us speak that are conflicted in their minds. That's where the storm is raging. That's where the winds are blowing. The accuser of the brethren will try to come in and just confuse you and cause all types of strife and get you so messed up in your mind that you can't have any peace. But I've come to tell you this morning that he's defeated. He has no power over you unless you hand over to him confiscated weapons. So don't let the accuser of the brethren who's defeated come in and begin to lie to you to rob you of your inner peace. That's where this message this morning is all about that rest for your soul your mind your emotions and there are so many in, in turmoil today uh, I mean it's not not a week goes by that we're, we're not talking to someone texting someone that just their, their mind is swirling and spinning out of control because of the storm that they're in I mean, Lisa talks to multiple people I talk to to people all the time and we're trying to bring rest and comfort trying to help them recognize that they have peace that's already on the inside of them that's not an easy task I can't just snap my fingers and make you understand that the Prince of Peace resides in you that's a patient process can we do this for one another can we allow the so slow pace of transformation to take place in other people's lives because sometimes it's a transformation that just takes some time uh, I did not arrive where I am today in what I believe overnight it was a process at least I can tell you that it was nine months of labor it really was and she was patient with me the Holy Spirit was patient with me as he began to unveil things to me that I hadn't seen that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Because, see, I had, I had all this going on in my mind. I was feeling rejected. I was discouraged. I was depressed. I felt like I couldn't be who God had called me to be because of certain choices that had been made. I just thought life was over, and I, I couldn't believe that he was that good. 
when he started unveiling that to me, and it start it was a slow process of saying, oh yeah, but this says that. Can we get to the place where we just say that Jesus is enough? We don't have to add anything to it. We don't have to have an explanation for it. Jesus is enough. And he's the Prince of Peace. Let not your heart be troubled. You believed in God, believe also in me. My peace I give unto you. My peace I give, not as the world gives, do I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Would you bow your heads this morning? Maybe your heart is troubled this morning and your head is spinning out of control and you need some peace. You need a peace that passes all understanding and human comprehension. And I believe that it resides on the inside of you. And if you will do an introspection assessment of your life today and allow Holy Spirit to show you the Prince of Peace is living on the inside of you. You already have peace. Awaken to that this morning. Begin to thank the Lord for it. And train yourself to hear the voice of God. Because those who hear my voice can live in undisturbed heavenly peace. Father, these are your children. Your desire for them is rest. Rest in the heart, rest in the mind. May you calm the winds and the waves that are blowing. Some may feel like they're swamped and about to go under and drown and their boat is going to sink. Would you give them peace and comfort this morning? Help us to realize, Father, that you have created an ark of safety. His name is Jesus. He's a shelter from the storms of life. He's a refuge in time of trouble. And his words to us this morning are, Come unto me. If you're weary, if you're labor, battle-worn, if you're torn and tattered, and I will give you, as a gift, my peace for your soul. In the next few moments as we sing, and we bask in your presence and we minister to you. May you begin to pour liquid love all over these people and help them to come to an understanding of the Prince of Peace that resides on the inside of them. In Jesus' name, would you just begin to minister to the Lord as we sing and let Holy Spirit do his work in you? Right?